latest victim, if you will, for the grind of sports media, how they got there and this wonderful business that we are both trying to and trying to stay in and break into, in my case. Um, let's, let's just jump right into it. You know, obviously, you are your host, uh, you know, overnight on CBS Sports Radio Network um, on CBS. And, you know, what first made you want to get into this business? Was there a specific moment that you remember, maybe when you were a kid or younger or when you were in college, or did somebody kind of influence you into to wanted to getting into this business? I don't think it was one person who influenced me. I, I think it was a station that influenced me. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut, right outside of New York, Stanford, Connecticut, um, listening to WFAN from its infancy. And from day one, I thought, wow, you can get paid and, and have a job talking sports? This is pretty cool. And I listened to everybody from uh, Susan Waldman to Mike and Chris to Jody McDonald, who's now, you know, a, a co-worker of mine on CBS Sports Radio. Um, and that was really it. I just, I grew up listening to that station. I love sports. I love the fact that you could talk about it and get paid to give an opinion on something you enjoyed watching and, and were really passionate about. And from, from that, from the infancy of WFAN, I think really grew my interest uh, of sports radio. Yeah, that was way back. What was that, 1987, I believe it was? Correct, yeah. It's about 30 years now, yeah. Yeah, crazy, crazy. It's been a long time, and that's, that's how I got into the business. I, you know, I had that specific, that kind of crystallizing moment where I'd always be in the car with my dad, and we'd be listening to, you know, he'd have the sports talk radio on. It would always be WFAN because we're big Met fans. And, you know, I remember just thinking one day that, dang, it just popped into my head like, man, you're like the same thing as you, you know, they got paid to do this. They, they get paid to give their opinions on the, on the radio. That's crazy. I, I feel like that's something I could do. Um, so, you know, it's, it is kind of cool like that. Now you went to Marist to, to college. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Did you get into anything there? Were you on the campus radio station? Were you on the TV network? Anything along those lines? I was on the campus radio station. I did play by play for the men's and women's basketball team. Um, and much like recent years, uh, the men's team wasn't very good. The women's team was very good. Um, and, you know, I got some exposure to the play-by-play side, which, you know, for people who have never done play-by-play, let me tell you something, it's not easy. Uh, play-by-play, to me, is, is the hardest part of this industry. It's on the fly. It's always moving. There's only so much you can prepare because the game is going to dictate your broadcast to you, um, and it's not easy. But Marist College is really where it all started for me because from that and and majoring in communications, it was like, you know, most seniors in college, it was time for my internship. And they wanted to, uh, the the internship program there at Marist wanted to set me up with an internship at the local TV station in Poughkeepsie. But like I told you, I had had the thing for WFAN. Um, That's what I grew up listening to. I knew that's what I wanted to be a part of, and I told them I wanted to get an internship at WFAN. And they told me they didn't have a relationship with the fan, but if I wanted to go set it up and get FAN to fill out the paperwork so that I could get credit for it at Marist, they would approve it. Um, and I contacted WFAN. I ended up getting the the internship all set up with Eric Spitz and Len Weiner, who were two guys yeah. I would end up working for again later on in life um, down the road when I would actually get paid to work. And I started my internship there. I did one day a week with Imus, 
I did one day a week with Mike and, Mike and the Mad Dog, and I did one day a week during the football season on Sundays with Steve Levy, who used to host a show called Around the NFL, which is basically it was the it was the the baby of what is now the Red Zone on TV. It was on the radio. It was they would have a reporter at every game for the one and four o'clock games, and they would just bounce around and get updates and highlights from every single game that was going on in the NFL on Sundays. Yeah, they still do that now when they don't have uh, giant games on. I love listening to that on the radio. It's great. Mm-hmm. That, that was that was my first real indoctrination into the the fast pace. It was we need the, you know we need the highlights. There was a touchdown. We've got to turn that highlight around. We got to get the sound in the control room so that the host could play it on the air and let people know that you know Cincinnati just scored you know, a, a touchdown in, in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's crazy, and I didn't even realize that you had done an internship at uh, WFN. I don't know if we had ever really talked about that. That's that's pretty cool that we were both you know interns there at one point in our careers, and you dealt with Spitz a lot. You know, when I got in yep. there, obviously Spitz was was higher up, and and he was running CBS Sports Radio Network at that time when it was just kind of in its inception in 2013. So that's pretty cool. And um, you know, so when you were growing up, you always thought, hey, I want to be a sports talk radio host, not that I want to do play-by-play. You know, I'm sure you enjoy play-by-play, but like you said, it is one of the hardest things that you can do in all of this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you really wanted to focus on being a sports talk radio host. That was your dream, not being a, a play-by-play guy, or was play, play-by-play kind of in, in your mind as well? No, play-by-play was never really in my mind because, as you know from, from working with me, um, I'm a pretty opinionated guy. I've got an opinion uh, about everything. You know, People may not always agree with it, uh, but I've got the opinion, and I want to voice it. Uh, I like having those arguments slash discussions, however you want to phrase it, um, about the world of sports. You don't really get to do that in, in a play-by-play role. You get to do that in, in a sports talk role. So for me, I enjoy that much more. Yeah, I hear you. That's, that's kind of the same same way that I, I, I was kind of thinking about things. Like I always enjoy doing play-by-play. I actually did it for free a little bit. Uh, this this past season, the basketball season with uh, St. Joe's College of Brooklyn, uh, there's a women's game, it's a men's game. Well, I mean, it was just kind of cool to jump back in there and to kind of get involved with, with, with the games and teams and things like that. But, yeah, be, being opinionated and, and being able to voice your opinions and being able to just have those conversations and arguments is, is really, really good. Again, and we're talking to Paul Nanos, CBS Sports radio host on the network side of things, Nanos at Night. Now, let's jump into your professional journey because you started at the evil empire of ESPN as the producer, uh, 98 to 2004, uh, you know, and then you, you had some time off before you, you, you went and did the talk show at ESPN Radio in Connecticut, and now you're at CBS. Kind of take us through your journey, how you got started in ESPN what that experience was like, what happened with the, the time off that you did, you know, you took, what did you do with that, and then kind of getting back into it? Well, I'll tell you, the, the 98 to, to 2002 run at ESPN was actually my second stop at ESPN. Um, my first stop at ESPN came right after my internship at WFAN. I was a senior. I was going to graduate in December of 91. Uh, I was working one of my internships, my internships, and there was a, a update guy there named Andy Pollan, um, who went on to some national fame being Tony Kornheiser's sidekick, uh, which could be heard on ESPN Radio National. Um, near the end of my internship, Andy looked at me and said, well, 
you're graduating in, in about a month. What do you do when you graduate? And like a dopey college senior, I said, I don't know. And he looked at me and said, well, ESPN is starting a radio network, um, and I have a friend who's going to be the executive producer. Would you like in it? Would you like me to get you an interview? And I said, sure. I'm coming out of college. You can give me an interview at ESPN. Absolutely. Now, when ESPN Radio oh, yeah. started, they were only two days a week. They were only Saturday and Sunday, and we went from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. They were on eight hours a day, Saturday and Sunday, and that was it for ESPN Radio. Wow. So I drove up for my interview. The guy. Um, he looked at me and basically said, and this is why I'm going to tell you, I tell people, talk to everybody, be nice to everybody you internship, you work with, because you never know when that person is going to be in, in a position to hire you or help you down the road. Um, I went up there to interview. It was going to be a part-time, two-day-a-week cutting tape. Now, anyone that's in radio now and, and is younger, like you, Greg, cutting tape, we, you know, it's not digital. We actually had oh. to take a razor blade and a, and a grease pencil and a piece of tape and, and cut actual tape and splice it together to make highlights and sounds sound okay for air. Um, and he looked at me so well, if Andy says you're okay, you're okay. And he hired me basically on the spot um, wow. for a, a two-day-a-week job. Well, four months into the ESPN radio thing, uh, the person who hired me, who was Bruce Murray, who's now a host on NFL radio, uh, he left because, and this is going to, you'll see this theme when I'm talking here, as big a business as, as sports radio is, it's really a small business. You end up running into the same people, working for the same people in different cities, different stations, different positions. Bruce left ESPN to go become the overnight host at a new sports station that was starting up in Washington, D.C., WTEM, the team. Uh, and he was hired by the new sports director, WTEM, who happened to be Andy Poland. Mm. To put me in touch with Bruce the first time. All well, coming Bruce together. Was going to, but all, it's all one big circle, Greg. That's all it is. It. Um, and Greg, uh, Bruce was going to be the overnight host. And they said to him, well, you're going to be alone in the studio basically for five hours with your producer. So pick somebody you like, pick somebody you're comfortable with, and tell us who you want, and we'll hire that person for you. And I never let Bruce forget this, because Bruce to this day is one of my closest friends. I was his second choice. But oh. luckily, luckily the first choice, actually somebody you probably know, Greg, from WFAN, uh, John Schweibacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was Bruce's first choice, because Bruce used to work at FAN. But John, well, having lived in New York, yeah, Schwai never having lived in the, uh, had only lived in New York his entire life, never had a driver's license. Oh, my God. So he couldn't gosh. take the job because he couldn't move. So oh. they came back to me. They hired me. I went down to D.C. to be the overnight producer in 1992, April of 1992, for the big whopping sum of $21,000 a year. Oh, well, you know, times are changing, so that was probably par for the course back then. That, that was, and, you know, but it was, it was an opportunity. It was, That's it. I, had the goal, I had the goal of wanting to be on the air one day. I wasn't naive enough to think, you know, my first break is going to be in Bristol, Connecticut. I knew that wasn't happening. Uh, so I went to D.C. I produced Bruce for a few months on the overnight. 
we then moved to the morning show when they fired the morning show about three months in uh, to, to the new station. I produced them there. And then the way most, you know, men and women get their break in this business as far as wanting to be on the air, it was a holiday weekend. It was July 4th weekend. And none of the regulars wanted to work. And Andy looked at me and said, you want a chance? And I hosted my first talk show on July 1st of 1993. Um, And then I started doing some filling. And then I started doing some overnights. And then the overnight person left. And I eventually became the overnight host at WTEM in Washington, D.C. Um, From there... Yeah, it's it's you know it's it, it, that's it pretty interesting story. I said that's a pretty interesting story. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny because you're you're with the company from day one. You get the opportunity. You're on the ground floor. That's really where it's, you know it happens. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of new stations opening up nowadays. But also, unfortunately, the local stations. Uh, what happened happened to me. They decided, well, we don't make money on the overnights. We need to cut money somewhere. Um, they picked up a syndicated show and dropped the live overnight show. Without, uh, I was out the door. Um, and then I went back to ESPN Radio in Bristol um, looking for a position. Luckily, they had one open. I was hired. I got back there. And eventually, um, after about nine months of doing different shows, I became the booker, the, the guest booker, Slash producer for the Dan Patrick Show. Oh wow! And I and I did that for three and a half years producing Dan. Uh, and then I got out. Of, and then I was out of the business for a while. And that's really where you realize as as tough as this business can be. Sometimes trying to make it, not making great money when you're behind the scenes and things like that. It's a it's a lot of fun, and it's really you have to have a passion for it when you're out of it you realize it. Um, and I was out yeah. of the business, Greg, for for a long time. Um, yeah, nine years, it looks like. Yeah, nine years. Nine years. Well, what did you do nine in years, that nine-year span? Uh, I sold mortgages. Um, I sold food wholesale for a, for a wholesale food company that sells food to restaurants. Um, I, I had a, a new baby in the in, in, interim. I played Mr. Mom for a little while where, you know, thankfully my wife, um, has a good job. I was able to do that yeah. for a while. And then, as luck would have it, and and in this business, so much of it is luck, right place, right time, right person. Um, I was at my son's baseball practice. Where he, he was at batting practice. And a new family had moved into town. And I got into a conversation with the gentleman, and I said, what do you do for a living? And he said, I run the eight clear channel radio stations in Connecticut, in Hartford and New Haven. And I said, really? Huh. I used to be in radio. And he ears said, oh, perked never, up. You know, I'm sorry. Oh, my ears, my ears really perked up. Yeah. I said, yep. of course I'd like to be in, in radio again. He said, well, he said, you know, I run the New Haven and Hartford stations. We have a sports station in Hartford. Um, I really don't like my afternoon host. Um, maybe I could bring you in, give you a chance. Well, a few months later, that guy's contract was up. They didn't renew him. They brought me in. I was probably the fourth or fifth guy to come in for an audition. 
and I hadn't hosted a radio show in probably 15 years because I was out wow. of the business for nine. I was out of the business yeah. for nine, but I hadn't hosted a show since D.C. I wasn't on the air in Bristol. Um, and I got to do a one-hour radio show. The show normally went from three to seven. They put me on from seven to eight and said, let's see what you have. And after the one hour, they came in and said, well, you, you know, you've got some some rust to knock off, but it wasn't bad. I said, of course I've got rust in 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. They brought me a little. That's not a bad thing. They brought me back to do the next day. They gave me the whole show from three to seven. Um, at the end of that, they said, pretty good. You want to come back and do the whole week next week? Um, I did the whole week and I ended up being there, uh, from that, from that one hour show at the first time, the first day I went in, I was there for four and a half years from that point forward. And it's so basically uh, when, when I got there, you were relatively new as well. Yeah. You were, when were you there? I'm telling you the time you were there. I was there, there summer of 2011. 2011. So I was, let's see, I left with, this is 17. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I've been there. Maybe I've been there less than a year by the time you were there, when you were there. Yeah. Less than a year. How? Yeah. And there, yeah, and there, crazy. you know, it's, it's an interesting market Hartford, because they have the, the ESPN affiliate and, and clear channel, which is now iHeart. Um, then bought a new signal, put in Connecticut, and moved the ESPN ID over to the FM and made the AM sports station Fox. So they owned the Fox sports station and the ESPN sports station in the Hartford area, which people outside the business, you sort of scratch their heads when you tell them that. Um, But those two stations were about six inches apart in the hallway. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that hallway. It was was pretty narrow hallway. Oh, yes, it was. Um, so I did shows for Fox and for ESPN in Hartford, uh, but they were all for Clear Channel slash iHeart, whatever you want to call them now, um, yep. in that market. And I was there for a little over four years, whatever it was. Um, and then I was in this business a lot. You know, they brought in a co-host to work with me, uh, former major leaguer, World Series champion, Connecticut native, Rob Dibble, and man who decided, you know, we're just going to go with the athlete because we can, we think we can sell that name. And guess what? Your services are no longer needed. And out the door I went, and remember I told you this business is a big circle, right? I, uh, I got let go. My second phone call was to CBS Sports Radio, whose, whose boss is now Eric Spitz, who hired me for my internship 25 years earlier. Um, he, he gave me an opportunity. I came in. He liked what he heard, and now I'm, you know, I host weekend overnights, and, and I do fill-ins on the overnights. I fill in for, for the legend that is Scott Farrell um, sometimes. Scott Farrell. And, and, that's, and, and that's where I am. It's, and it's amazing. From, from Eric Spitz hiring me for my internship to working for Eric Spitz now, Len Liner was the other guy who was there at the internship uh, with Eric when they hired me. Lenny at one point was the, the program director at ESPN Radio in Bristol when I worked there. So I worked for both guys who hired me in my internship down the road in my career. It's really a small – it's a small business, right? It's a, it's a big business, but it's a small business at the same time. That's a yes. great way to put it. Uh, again, we're talking with Paul Nanos here on The Word with G, Blog Talk Radio, WRSP Radio, WRSP Sports. Now, you've been with CBS Sports Radio Network 
since what was it, 2015? October or uh, December? Well, actually December. It's like uh, what was it the day before Christmas, I believe, or Christmas night, it might have been. Uh, December 2015, yes. So a little over two years. Okay. All right, a little over two years now. Now, you're or working 14, the, the weekend. 14. 14. So it's December 14, right. almost December 15. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so you're working the, the weekend overnight. You're doing the fill-ins and, and whatnot. Where do you ultimately hope this leads? What, what is your goal at this point in your life? You know, what, how, how old are you? Are you 40 in your 40s? I'm 48. 48. Now, where, where are you hoping this takes you? What, what is your goal at this stage in your life? At this stage, I mean, you know, the, the pipe dreams that, that people have of, uh, you know, I'm going to replace Francesca, you know, I'm going to be the next Dan Patrick, uh, those, those aren't realistic. Uh, you know, I'd be perfectly happy being uh, a full-time host, uh, preferably at the network because it's just a great place to work. Um, if yep. something up, opened up locally, I certainly wouldn't look past that opportunity either. Um, you know, I'd like two and a half years since I've done it five days a week on a regular basis. Um, that's the goal. The goal is uh, I want to be doing this five days a week, talking sports, enjoying. You know, there aren't a lot of jobs where you can legitimately look at your wife and say, honey, I'm going to watch this game tonight. It's for work. <laughs> most times, most I used times to use... you can't say that. <laughs> I used to use that excuse all the time when I was doing my show at CBS as well. Whenever I was hanging out with a girl, I'd be like, you know, babe, we got we to gotta watch the game. I, I mean, this is work. I need to, need to watch this. I need to know what happened. Absolutely. There aren't a lot of jobs where you can say that honestly. No, definitely not. So, you know, the, the goal is you want to be doing that, that five days a week again. Now, let me ask you, what's the difference that you found – you know, because you've done both sides of the coin where it's been, you know, five days a week for, I believe it was four hours that you were doing or for three and a half mm-hmm. hours, you know, because you guys had the Yankees on there um, you know, at ESPN Radio, Fox Sports Radio. What's the difference? What's the biggest difference that you found between doing that five days a week and then doing the, you know, maybe two, three days a week that you do uh, on CBS Sports Radio Network? Do you find this harder or do you find five days a week harder? Uh, I actually find two days a week harder because, you got to be careful not to fall into the, the rut of, well, I wasn't here on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but there were some really good things that I want to talk about, but I'm out on Saturday and Sunday, and by the time I walk into that building on Saturday, uh, that really exciting thing that I want to talk about on Monday or Tuesday, it's been talked out. It, it's been done. The, the listeners have already heard it discussed. The listeners have discussed it with their friends and they're ready for something new. So to me, that's the hardest part is uh, there are nights where I go, man, I wish I was on tonight because I would love to talk about whatever, you know, Draymond Green kicking someone, you know, in in between the legs. Right. I mean, tonight, tonight, I would love to be on the radio tonight to rip Draymond Green because he ripped ripped Madison Square Garden because they didn't play music for the first half, and he said, it took them out of the out of their rhythm, and it was disrespectful. But for Draymond Green to say playing no music for the first half was disrespectful is comical. And I, that's something that to me I can have a lot of fun with on the air tonight. But by the time I go in next Saturday, it's not even a story anymore. 
Yeah, you're not wrong. That's 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 very true. You know, you, you, some people they just kind of look at it like, oh, you know, you have to be in there every single day doing five days a week. That's got to be tougher. But no, you're absolutely right. Doing that, you know, that two days a week, and I kind of find it the same way where I'm doing my show. This show only once a week, and I do it every Sunday. So if something like you said happens, I got lucky that this thing happened on Sunday when they played at three thirty right. instead of you know them playing out at Oracle at ten o'clock. Then I wouldn't even have a chance to comment on it. Maybe I would just mention mm-hmm. it in passing, but. At the same time, it's um, it's that's the that's the the difficult part of it. Now, let's move on. Let's touch on a little lighter subject. What's what's the kind of the coolest opportunity that you've gotten? You know, maybe a place that you've gotten to be, maybe a person that you've got to, to interview or have a conversation with while in this business. Um, coolest place to be was working with Dan Patrick for, for three and a half years, four years, whatever it was. Opened up a, a lot of opportunities, and I got to go a lot of places. Uh, that you don't you know normally get to go to. Um, I was in the Super Bowl city three times. Uh, I went to World Series uh, three years in a row. Um, I went to the Byron Nelson Classic where we did the show, uh, and Mark Cuban came and sat live um, to do an interview. I got to uh, shag fly balls um, at uh, whatever it was called. Uh, back when San Francisco opened 3Com or whatever it was when San Francisco, Pat, by Pat Bell or whatever. Pat Bell. Yep, Pat uh, You know, I, I got the shag fly balls. I got to play catch with Jeremy Giambi on the sideline of Pat Bell. Um, I got to catch passes uh, when, when I was producing Dan. It was Dan and Rob Dibble together. Uh, again, there's a circle for you. I produced Rob and then I there called you go. Rob. Um, uh, I got to catch passes at Cowboys Stadium when we were in Dallas to do a show. Um, the stuff like that, you, you know, the normal guy working on a regular local show, something like that, doesn't get that opportunity. Uh, but working at ESPN, working with a name like Dan Patrick, it, it gave me a lot of opportunities um, to do things like that and to go to, to pretty cool events. Uh, thanks to working with Dan, I, I met Muhammad Ali one night, which was wow. one of the coolest moments uh, Dan, Dan was part of a, a, a charity dinner uh, for Muhammad Ali's foundation, and I got to go to the dinner with Dan, and we got to go up and, and meet the champ, and literally, I literally had goosebumps meeting Muhammad Ali. Moments like wow. that are, you know, tough, tough to come by um, in this business. As far as people I've interviewed, I think probably the guy I've enjoyed interviewing the most just because he was such a star growing up when I was watching baseball and baseball was my favorite sport. And even though he didn't play for, for my team, uh, I'm a Yankee fan. He's a legend. And I've gotten to interview Cal Ripken either four or five times um, because yeah, I, I, have, I have a relationship with Cal's PR director. Um, and he has helped me out a lot. And, and on special occasions, uh, last year, I, it was last year, two years ago. I had Cal on uh, on the 25th anniversary of the streak. Um, I had him that week to talk about the streak and the anniversary and, and things that, that that to me was one of the coolest interviews I've ever had the opportunity to do myself, interview a legend yeah. like Cal Ripken. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, they, they they say, especially in this industry, you know, the pay may not be that high, but you get paid in experiences, basically. Yeah, you know who says that? The bosses say that. that, and then you look and you go, "That's <laughs> great." You, you know what? I, you know what I can't do with an experience? 
I can't pay my mortgage with an experience. <laughs> Remember that. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm surprised you did. not one of your favorite places to, to broadcast wasn't the Travelers. No, that, that was, I, enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed the Travelers. It was fun at the Travelers. Um, as far as one of the favorite places, no, I don't think so. I mean, the first year I was there, we were in a tent at the Travelers Championship in, in Cromwell, Connecticut, in the TPC in River Islands. Um, yep. I was in a tent that would ha- that had you know three sides on it. There was no the only opening was a little opening right in front of us. It was dark. It was about 150 degrees. It felt like, um, and, and no one really knew who we were there or what we, who we were and what we were doing there. I would not say the travelers will go down uh, on my list of great moments. That's for sure. <laughs> That was a little bit being facetious. Yeah, you and Rich Cook setting up the uh, the, the old tent there for ESPN uh, Radio yeah, that was Connecticut. That is, yeah, I bet. No, I mean that was fun for me. I, I mean, I went there that I went one day when I was interning there with you guys, and uh, Rich got me a parking spot. He got me a parking pass. He got me a a media pass. That was my really my my first experience with going to an event and kind of getting that media access. I got to do the free drinks and free food at the media tent. I was loving mm-hmm. life there. I was following around Bubba Watson. Like, it was, it was fun for me. Well, the Travelers was, I think, the only time uh, thus far in my career where I've had an athlete basically tell me to be quiet. Um, we had – we were doing the show. I was doing the show with, with Rob Dibble, and we were doing a bump. We had a, we had a new set, a night set, that was built right above the putting green. And the players were out there warming up. And as you know, Greg, from being around me, I'm pretty loud. Whether I'm on air or off air, I'm just loud. And at one point, VJ Sin looked up at me and put his fingers to his mouth as if to say, be quiet, you're being too loud. Um, And then he came up and walked (laughs) by and looked at us, and he goes, you got to keep quiet. And he kept on walking. So VJ VJ Sin thought I was too loud. Oh, well. See, look at there you go. You got a cool woman out of the Travelers. Yeah, that's my traveler's moment, of course. <laughs> that's it. There's the traveler's moment. All right, last one for you. And again, we're talking with Paul Nanos, overnight host on the weekends for CBS Sports Radio Network. What, what, what time are you on exactly in the overnight? I'm on from 2 to 6 a.m. Um, so for you, I'll say I'm on from 2 to 6 Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, if you're a little older, I'll say I'm on Saturday morning and Sunday morning for six, if you know what I mean. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, last one for you. Give me some advice. You know, somebody kind of getting into the industry, maybe not giving me advice, although, I, you know, the last time I asked you for advice or ideas or something, you told me to not be in this industry. So <laughs> let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it a little more positively than that time. Give, so give me some advice that maybe somebody – who's thinking about getting in the industry maybe would actually want to stay in the industry and, and, and kind of things that you've learned throughout the business. I know you said, you know, kind of be nice to everybody and courteous to everybody that you work with, whether it be an internship or uh, in the industry industry in general. You know, what, what's some advice that you'd have for somebody kind of coming up in the industry or, or thinking about getting into, into it? Well, I would say if you're a college student and you're going to do an internship at a, at a TV station or a radio station, whatever it be, I would say no job is too small. Um, no job is unimportant. But when you're there, when, when you're doing whatever you may view as a menial task, do it well, do it with a smile on your face, get it done. And if you're done getting your, doing your job, 
you ask who's ever in charge, what else can I do? Can I help with this? Can I help with that? Let them see that you're willing to do whatever it takes. Let them see you do a good job or whatever it takes. And make sure, you know, no one leaves that office going, boy, that kid, he has no work ethic and he's, he's not very personable. We don't want him here. Because it, yeah. it, it's a small office. You work on top of each other. You want to work with people who are enjoyable to be around. H- have a good personality. Be willing to work hard. And go that extra mile. If you're an intern and, and your job is to, to cut sound, all right, you're done cutting sound, go ask somebody what else you can do because that's the way you're going to prove to people that, that you do want to move ahead and you're not happy just doing this. You want to do above and beyond what you were brought in to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's definitely good and, advice. And be, that's, and that's be definitely... willing, I, I tell you, the other thing, Greg, in this business, you, you got to be yeah. willing to move. You have to be willing to move. Um, there's only so much work in certain areas. There's only so much stations, so many stations in each area, uh, especially for sports radio. Now with the networks um, like ESPN, NBC, CBS, Fox, they've all got networks, which means there's less and less local jobs because it, it's it's more financially sound for local stations to take the network shows at certain times of the day and save money on local. So that means there's less jobs locally. So you have to be willing to move if you really want to uh, progress to, to where you're hoping to be in this business. All great advice. Paul Nano, thank you so much uh, for jumping on here and, and talking and allowing me to kind of dive into, into your sports media career as your former intern working on your show, The Drive at ESPN Radio in Connecticut. It's been fun. Uh, I enjoyed catching up and, and having a conversation with you. You know, let, let, let some people know, you know, two to, two to six in the morning, whether it be Saturday morning, you know, Sunday morning, or, you know, you want to say Friday night, Saturday night, where else can people find you social media wise? Social media uh, on Twitter at Paul Nanos. The last name is N-A-N-O-S. Um, and on Facebook, uh, you can search for Nanos at night.